Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Enter the zone. The Prophecy Zone. Your end time watchman. Bringing you light in a dark world. Where truth is rivaled with a lie. And the matrix is normal life. Luke 21. And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars. And upon the earth distress of nations, with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear. And for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. With power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass. Then look up and lift up your heads. For your redemption draweth nigh. You are now in the zone. So be ready to enter the light or truth about the end of days. So you will be ready for the coming of the Lord. You are in the zone. The prophecy zone. So join us for the next hour as we look at world events in line with Bible prophecy. So you'll be informed and be ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. Hello, welcome to the prophecy zone. This is Phil Armstrong and I'm hoping y'all having a wonderful night. I certainly am blessed in the Lord. Blessed to be saved. Blessed to be born again. I am pleased to come to y'all tonight and have this floor and be able to talk with you about Bible prophecy. Because I love Bible prophecy. Um, It is the shouting blast that says that we are that generation that is coming back, uh, that we'll see Jesus Christ come back to the earth to take his kingdom and take the earth for himself. That is what it said in Daniel chapter 9, that it was the completion and the wrapping up of sin on the earth as the uh, dominant source of man's death. Uh, and, and Jesus has paid the price on the cross and has performed victory on that cross when he said it is finished. Tonight I want to look at uh, the mark of the beast, and this is not necessarily the mark. Uh, I want to get that straight, of course. Um, but how many of y'all saw the picture of the tattoo that was on the hand or on the uh, right arm of an individual? And um, I got an article here, and it's from uh, National Post, and it was it, it got a lot of play. Uh, a lot of uh, people come into it to to see the little tattoo, and it, and it, and of course, a lot of the technology today is to help benefit society, make it faster, make it quicker, make it smoother. And remember, it said in Daniel chapter, I'm not so sure what chapter that is, chapter 11. Uh, I think it's chapter 11, chapter 11 or 12, and it says knowledge will go to and fro. I mean, knowledge will increase, both with the creation of things that make society go faster, smoother, quicker. And um, also, as we read further, we're going to find out the the technology that holds men men captive. We're going to find that out a little bit later uh, during the course of this 
on the mark of the beast technology. Uh, the ad, um, the, the article uh, talks about Star Trek and, and, and the familiarity of the, 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 the sticker that goes on your skin, uh, how it is more like 22nd century type of stuff rather than 21st century. But um, the article, is, of course, uh, I said it's from National Post, and it is titled uh, Futurist Tattoo Can Monitor Health Link to You to um, the Web. It says uh, it's by Patricia Fontanon, Fort Fantanon, I guess I'm pronouncing that right, says you don't have to look like Star Trek bogey to wear skin-mounted electronics. A team of scientists and engineers at the University of Illinois has developed a skin, a smart skin technology that can be used to connect wearers to the cyber world as easy as uh, a temporary tattoo. The smart skin can monitor your heart rate and brain waves, for example, or detect electric uh, activity and muscle contraction and send the signals to the computer. And I guess it's going to be used a lot of times in hospitals without sticking, and it goes on to say, without sticking any electrodes. So, you know, you go to the hospital, you get all those electrodes. I hate those things because if you got hair on your chest and pull, pull them off, it's going to, they're going to hurt. But anyway, it, it, it stands, instead of having you to have to do all this stuff, um, you just use that uh, chip or, or tattoo and that'll work in its place. But the article goes on to say just a few centimeters wide and thinner than the skin of hair, the smart skin, and that's what they call it, would make monitoring people psychologically, psychological stress more comfortable and more accurate than using electrodes because it stays stuck to the skin and doesn't interfere with the wearer's movement and the research, the researchers say. So... Um, it, it's more for convenience. And a lot of these inventions um, that they're doing today, you see that one family, I'm going to play a little recording for y'all. The, fam the family there was so eager to get the chip. It reminded me of, um, it reminded me of watching The Deep in the Night. I'm going to get that recording when she says, I'll take the chip, I'll take the chip. You know, they're taking her up there to get her head chopped off, and she had a choice, either, you know, don't take the chip or, you know, do take the chip. And she's, I'll take the chip, I'll take the chip. I thought that was the funniest thing in the world. Well, anyway, uh, and it's going to come to that point, too, folks. We're going to have to make that decision uh, for uh, Christ or take the chip, or some people are going to make the decision for taking a chip and not taking a chip because they want to be free, you know, because there is a movement out there. And I admit I'm part of the movement a little bit where you want the freedom uh, that the Constitutional or the Founding Fathers gave us and all this hoopla. But I, I, I believe that a person needs to be free, uh, and they need to maintain that freedom by knowledge. Even the Bible says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. That's, that's in everything, folks. If you, if you don't know that you ain't supposed to be eating a lot of hamburgers, and it tastes good, mmm, you know, the hamburgers taste really good, and you keep eating, you know, kids' obesity is getting really big these days, folks. So if the kids 
you don't know without knowledge, they're going to eventually affect, it's going to affect them. And remember what the Bible says, you reap what you sow. Uh, what a man sows, so shall he reap. Well, anyway, I uh, got off track. Here's a uh, little clip, and we'll be right back. A story we're following. New Yorkers can now apply for the new enhanced driver's license. This was Melissa Hunter's mind as we played with the waiting. And Melissa, well, Lisa, they've only been available for a couple of hours, but already more than 100 New Yorkers have applied for the new enhanced driver's license. Officials say that they'll make crossing borders like here at the Peace Bridge safer and faster. Now, starting June 2009, federal law will require you to either have the enhanced driver's license or passport to enter into the U.S. from Canada, the Caribbean, or Bermuda. Now, the new enhanced driver's license has a special radio frequency check inside that will make it faster at the border crossing. Now, for a regular renewal, the enhanced license costs $80. That's $30 more than a regular license, but a passport costs more than $100. Now, a birth certificate will suffice at the border until June 2009, and it will always be accepted for children under 16. Now, it used to be that 8,000 forms of ID were accepted at the border, but come June, it, that number will only be six. So why should a traveler pick an enhanced license over a passport, a Nexus card, or a new passport card? Enhanced driver's license makes the most sense because it is a multiple-use document. Again, citizenship, identity, can be used for driving. It surpasses the other applications of all those other documents. And we encourage uh, residents uh, of the state of New York who are U.S. citizens to get them. You don't need to rush in today. Yes, it's an exciting day. It's September 16th. It's one of the first time you've walked to have one. I understand that. But you really don't need it until June of 2009. And once you apply for the enhanced driver's license, you should receive it in about two weeks. Now, when you go to the DMV to apply, you'll need to bring several forms of documentation. And so you're asked to go to the DMV's website or the Erie County Clerk's website to check out what those documents are. It'll make your time at the DMV a lot easier. We linked the Erie County Clerk's website to our website, WIBB.com. Reporting live at the Peace Bridge, Melissa Holmes, News 4 at noon. All right, thanks for the update on that, Melissa. Now, if you still have questions about these new licenses, we'll help you get them answered. Erie County Clerk, Kathy Hogle. So that was uh, a little bit of, uh, that's pretty old, but I'm uh, in the series I'm going to have much newer um, uh, segments and clips and cuts uh, that will illustrate what's going on um, in, in the technology of making things convenient, convenient for the fellow humanity, which uh, when a man thinks he's free, uh, and he does not contest any restraints, he becomes a prisoner. But when a man knows he's free and he acts on that freedom by uh, giving himself knowledge about why he's free, he remains free. And, um, see, people think that Christianity places you in a bondage. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And when you become born again, you become free. Because you're not, a lot of people who, folks, a lot of people who uh, have alcohol problems, like myself in the past, you're a prisoner to that. You're even a prisoner to your own habits. So when Jesus says he'll set 
captive free, he will set us free from yokes and bondages that will slow us down in the walk that we, we are to be walking for the Lord in these last days. Um, now, there are face scanning recognition uh, computers in <clears throat> London, and they're using those things, and they've been using them in football games like the Super Bowl. I remember a lot of hoopla about the last Super Bowl and the Super Bowl before that where they were using face scanning recognition technology. And um, it, it, it's amazing, folks, how um, how these uh, computers work. They work supersonic. I mean, I don't even have, there's no word for it. I don't have an article in front of me, but these computers work so fast and they're so accurate that they do make mistakes, but they're very accurate at picking things out. Now, there are computers now that are picking people uh, out who can be potential threats to uh, commit a crime in the future. Now, there's some things I want to get into a little bit later about bills that are being passed uh, like the Patriot Act, for instance, <clears throat> where people are potential. You, and not even, the Patriot Act really don't cover this, but there's bills and legislation that even police officers are being trained to catch people before they commit a crime. Now, how could you commit? Now, is that going against the Constitution or what? Because you're proven innocent. You're proven innocent until you're proven guilty. So, you, excuse me, you're innocent until proven guilty. That's what I meant. To. So, in the military, you're guilty before you're proven innocent. But in the real, in the United States, in the, in, the, in America, for the last since it's been born, you're innocent until proven guilty or proven innocent. Now, let me go back to that little clip that we just played. Um, and it was talking more about national ID cards, <clears throat> and it was talking, and it, and it talked about a chip being inside of the the, the card. And military personnel have those, because I have one, and that's no big deal. It's nothing to get scared about. But when the time comes, there'll be a world leader called the Antichrist will ask people to take well the false prophet, the Antichrist sidekick which is the religious leader, will ask mankind to take a mark in their right hand or forehead. And what I want to do right now is I want to read uh, the Word of God. And it's Revelation chapter 13, verse 16. And he, the, the, the Antichrist and the false prophet, of course it's he, but it's talking about the Antichrist. And he calls us all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or forehead, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that has a mark on, or, excuse me, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him that have understanding count the number of the beast, for it is uh, three, I'm going to go ahead and read it for it is the number of man, and his number is 600, three score is six. Now, I want to go back 
verse 16. And read that again. And I want to read it slower. It says, And he calls us all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in, in, in their right hand or in their forehead. So the King James Version says in. Now, how deep is in? Now, let's not fool ourselves. <clears throat> now, actually, when you take a tattoo, it actually goes into your bloodstream. But is a tattoo in, deeply in? Like, for instance, I, I saw a picture of someone who took a chip. It was the grand, size of a grain of rice, radio frequency type of chip that was put in their arm, their family. Oh, we're so glad to take the mark. Oh, and then, you know, today's show. Oh, here's a family that take the mark. I wish I would have put that on record. I'm going I'm I'm to let you guys hear that. These people were so happy to take this chip. Uh, I mean, they, and then today's show, they were showing, um, you know, people going to clubs. Yeah, I want to get into this club, man. You should go get the chip, man. It was faster, man. You can move through the line real quick, you know. I mean, come on, man. Groovy, dude. You know, come on, man. I mean, for real? I mean, you will take the They don't know they're taking the mark. Right now they don't. I mean, they ain't taking the mark. Because the mark of the beast is not the mark of the beast until the middle of the tribulation period. And trust me, folks, you will know. If you are, if you have any little bit of wisdom, you're going to know what the mark of the beast is. So, how many out there are seriously, seriously thinking, especially you post-tribbers and mid-tribbers, I, I have nothing against y'all, or pan-tribbers, y'all pans out in the end. How many of y'all going to take the mark? I mean, how many of y'all... Uh, does it? Does the Bible talk about, especially right here, in the verse I just read, Revelation 13, 16, verse 16 and 17, is there anything that follows in, in, chapter, in the rest of the, the chapter 13 or in chapter 14 and 15 and 16 and 17, so forth and so on, that says he asked everybody to take the mark, but the Christians did not? Well, the people of God do not take it because they, you know, he's going to illustrate, he's going to tell you, hey, the church that I said in my gospels that the gates of hell will not prevail against it did not take the mark. He would have said something where he, he asked the both small and great, rich and poor to take the mark, but the church did not. You know, sooner or later it's going to say that. But see, the word church is not mentioned anymore after chapter 6. And people have made the preacher rapture people as if we have some type of a disease, um, you know, mad cow disease, and we're walking around with three heads. Arr, I am a preacher of rapture person. Oh, you know, scaring everybody. And, oh, yeah, I'll take the mark. I'll take the mark, you know. Oh, please, I want to be in the tribulation period so bad, man, that I want to save, I want to preach the gospel to the ends of the world, and I'm going to be on a cloud like the angel that's supposed to be floating through the air. She's, he 
she, I mean, he, he's going to pass by me, and he's going to say, good job, Christian. Oh, I'm preaching the gospel. I'm Billy Dwight Sue's Johnson. <laughs> I'm preaching the gospel. Praise the Lord. Come on, come on out of here. Come on, come on. Come on out of here. Come on. Come on out of here. You know, I mean, where's your protection, Chief? You better get in the house for some before one of the mirrors hit you in the head and make some sense out of you. <laughs> I mean, for real. But, trust me, I don't want to be no superhero. God gave me all the ammunition he gave me when he told me to walk in the Spirit, walk in Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't need to be a superhero. Jesus has already done that on the cross. You know, of all those superhero shows that just came out, Iron Man, Superman, or Iron Man, and Captain America, and Green Lantern, of course they're trying to get us ready for the Antichrist. I went and saw all of them. And all I kind of thought about during the course of watching the movies is, hey, they're getting people ready for the Antichrist. They're they looking for a superhero. And you notice in the news, you notice in the news, they're starting to beg for a leader. Be he God or Satan, we'll take him. Who said that? I forgot. I'll tell you all next show. But they are looking for a leader. Starting to, they're starting to echo it out. You know, because of the you know AAA rating has been dropped and now they double A, and now the American economy is starting to crash, and, and the world economy is crashing, and all these things are going to happen. Now, folks, hear me out here. I'm not making a prediction, but I believe from watching a lot of Christians on Facebook and and, and blog talk, well, the true Christians on blog talk, and, um, and, and uh, YouTube, and listening to a lot of the comments, I feel, I, I see a tenderness. I see a tenderness in some of the Christians who you can just identify. You say, well, all pre-tribbers are the real true Christians. No, but I'm saying... It's, 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 it's like music when you watch all these comments of different Christians who want their Lord to come. And, and, and we are strangers here. And the Bible even calls us, uh, we are peculiar people. And we are going to be considered weird because we want the Lord to come. And when people say, well, you want, do you think it's an escape mechanism? God is not going to take you out of here. He's just going to, who do you think is going to do push you out of here? Yeah, please, pretty please. I don't want to be your hero. Who said that? I don't want to be your hero. I don't want to be, I mean, I'm, we're going to do what we got to do to preach the gospel. And when that last, what say in Romans, when that last Gentile, when the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled, that day of the Lord will come. And see, God loves you. And I'm not talking about no uh, get-rich-quick gospel. I'm talking about the truth. But God loves you so much. He loves you so much that he will not leave you the way you are. And I get tired of this Christianity where people get saved and they want to stay the way they are. And you can't tell them nothing. 
who the Son sets free is free indeed. God has come to set the captives free. He has come to set you free from bondages of alcohol, bondages of drugs, bondages of pornography, bondages of sexual addiction, bondages of fornication, adultery. He has come to set you free, my friend. How do you get saved? How do you become born again? What Jesus said in John 3, 3, you must be born again. That means that I have to go back in my mom's womb and come back out. That's the question that uh, Nicodemus asked. He said, you must be born a spirit. He said to the lady at the well, you must worship God in spirit and in truth. But to, to make it easier for a lot of people out there, you must love the Jesus gave the answer, and it was the strongest answer he, he could have gave. If, if, you didn't, if you were on a deserted island and you lost the Bible, and you didn't have a Bible, you just had a few pages, but one particular page you had was uh, what Jesus said to the disciples, he said to the he said to the individual who came up to him, he said, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul, and the second one so I can love your neighbors yourself. Folks, we have to put Jesus first in our lives. We have to obey what he's saying. Oh, you mean you have to keep the Ten Commandments? No. You have to obey what he's saying. And yes, the Ten Commandments are still here. Because if you read the surface of the Ten Commandments, Jesus said, whoever looks upon a woman and loves her, you can't keep that. But here's the deal. Jesus paid the penalty on the cross for you. But we need to, Jesus said, whoever keeps my commandments is truly my disciple. We must love the Lord and put the Lord first in our life. He must be priority in our lives. We must walk the way he walked. We must obey his word. We must live as if we were child, children of the Most High God. We can't just have Jesus the second or 15th in our lives or in the medium. Jesus must be first in our lives. If he's first, you say, well, I can't put my boyfriend first. You, first of all, don't be living with your boyfriend. Get out get out while you can. Red alert, red alert. I'll take the mark. Silly women, Captain. <laughs> silly women, Captain, watching TVN. Ain't nothing wrong with TVN 100%. They got some good shows on there. Uh you got some good shows on there. I catch some nice movies on there. I catch some specials. Eat the meat and spit out the bone. I have nothing against TBN, folks. I'm just saying, man. I get tired of hearing all that this rubbish about, you know, God is going to. Yeah, he's going to bless. He's blessed me, folks. He's taking care of me. I don't believe that the prosperity, I don't believe prosperity should be the focus of the gospel. I just don't believe that. But what I do believe is that Jesus Christ must be first, and he must be the focus, and he must be the circumference of your your world. Because there are some girls out there, some guys out there, who in high school have met a girl, and all these, I, I was like that. 
What was her name? Stacy. She had the same name as my sister. Man, I was infatuated by this girl. I thought this girl broke up with me, man. I, I was thinking about this. I was just brokenhearted. That's how we have to be with Jesus. When we upset him or when we break, when we, when we sin, willfully sin, we have to bring it to the cross. What did it say in 1 John 9? What did it say in 1 John 8? First uh, John, first chapter, verse eight says, "If a man says he sin and he does not sin, he makes God a liar." What did it say in the following verse nine? It says, "He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and our trespasses." Ask Jesus to come into your heart. Ask Him to be the Lord of your life, but He must be the circumference of your life. Those addictions, trust him with the addictions that you have. Trust him. Trust the Lord with the addictions that you have. And, and folks, I'm going to cover this in some future shows. A good person does not go to heaven unless they had Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the best good person you can ever find. They need Jesus because in our bloodstream and our DNA is... But I hope y'all have a wonderful evening I hope y'all are blessed And I hope some of the people Who are listening to these archives Will hear what I had to say tonight But God richly bless y'all Please understand That the Lord is coming soon God bless Get ready to come into the zone for the next 60 minutes. Your journey will begin in 3, 2, 1. The Prophecy Zone. Enter the zone. The Prophecy Zone. Your end time watchman. Bringing you light in a dark world where truth is rivaled with a lie and the matrix is normal life Luke 21 and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity the sea and the waves roaring men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken and then shall they see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory and when these things begin to come to pass then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh you are now in the zone so be ready to enter the light or truth about the end of days so you will be ready for the coming of the Lord you are in the zone the prophecy zone so join us for the next hour as we look at world events in line with Bible prophecy so you'll be informed and be ready for the coming of Jesus Christ
right, man. Uh, I'm just trying to hook up this one software right quick, and then I'll be ready. You in the road? Yeah, always. <laughs> All right. It's probably good. With, it's probably good you didn't call me around two or something because I was right in the middle of Atlanta. Oh yeah, yeah, that's busy. <laughs> uh, I could have had like a road rage moment down there or something. That could have been bad. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, yeah, that could have been. <laughs> yeah, I rode. I, I drove through Atlanta a couple of times and it's it kind of hectic. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, so thanks for com- thanks for coming on the show, man. Uh, I've been watching your uh, videos on YouTube for a while, so uh, you uh, have a lot of interesting things to say, man. So I like to thank you, uh, your blessing from God. Uh, yeah, he's using you in mighty ways, and I, it, you know, man, I I just love to see someone, a brother, who uh, has the same thoughts as I have. So. I like to commend you for doing what you do, bro. I appreciate it. Uh, I've gotten a lot of uh, a lot of resistance, you know, just over the years. So I've been doing this since probably 2008. So uh, I mean, the devil's always after me about it. You know, he's always trying to get me to quit making videos. Always telling me, uh, "Oh, nobody wants to hear you," or you know, always telling me that uh, I don't know. He's always trying to get in my head because. Uh, I know I'm taking him off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I don't. I don't say this is a point of pride, only an observation. But uh-huh. I mean, if you look at like, you know, Peter and Paul and the guys in the New Testament. Yeah. And you think about how many people they were really reaching in their lifetime. Uh huh. You know, on the day of Pentecost, Peter talked to what three thousand people. Three thousand people got saved. Yeah. You know, and through this YouTube technology, I'm able to get out to. Uh, like thousands and thousands and thousands of people. So yeah. uh, it's just, I don't know, it's wild to kind of look at it from that perspective, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did you get started in uh, with YouTube? Well, uh, I might as well give you the uh, the abbreviated version of my uh, testimony because it, it actually starts, uh, like my YouTube actually kind of stems off of that. But I was... Uh, I was in the army for eight years, and uh, when you're in the army, they don't just treat you know they don't just teach you how to go to war; they teach you how to drink too. I mean, that's like <laughs> part of the job. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I joined the army in 2000, and uh, you know, just got good at what I did. I ended up going to Iraq in 2005. Yeah. Uh, had some experiences over there, and when I got home, um, I moved to Cincinnati, where uh, She's my wife now, but she was my girlfriend at the time. You know, we were living there in Cincinnati. Yeah. You know, so I was going to the bar all the time. And, uh, you know, what happened was, uh, I guess I just got a hold of her. Her parents are Christian, so they were praying praying for her. And, you know, God got a hold of her and got her out of the bar scene, and she started uh, reading her Bible and praying. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting there still wanting to, you know, get drunk all the time. And I'm like, oh, I'm I'm not ready for this. She started listening to Christian music and everything. I was like, oh, this is this is too much. <laughs> so, uh, so what happened was probably three or four months after she, you know, got uh, you know, God got a hold of her. Um, I actually had a friend that uh, I only really had one friend there in Cincinnati, 
and uh, his wife was friends with my wife, so we'd always do kind of a double date kind of thing. Yeah. And he had a drug problem since he was, you know, a teenager. So, I mean, they were smoking pot daily. Uh, I mean, he would get into other stuff. And, uh, you know, just long story short, he ended up committing suicide, you know, just, just because of all the turmoil in his life. And when that happened, you know, I was in the bar, and, uh, you know, this was just a little bit after uh, 4th of July, and uh, yeah, I just went in there and just got blackout drunk, you know. Yeah. And the first weekend, you know, I got in a fight, and then the second weekend I got blackout drunk. I, uh, I, don't, I don't remember most of the night, mm-hmm. and uh, what ended up happening was I threw a TV at my wife and did all these crazy things. Yeah. And... Uh, I, you know, for years I've been trying to figure out exactly what happened on that night. Uh-huh. But here's what I do know. For nine years, I was a straight-up alcoholic, you know, just addicted to alcohol. Uh, you know, at, at one point I was smoking three packs a day of cigarettes and everything. Yeah. And then after that night, I delivered from nine years of drinking in a single day. Wow. I went from I went from drinking five or six days a week to stone sober wow and, and i know it, i know it wasn't me because i tried to, i tried to quit before yeah so uh you know because of this testimony you know like i just spent the next several months really growing and uh what really got my attention was uh bill weiss's book 23 minutes in hell that really oh yeah that really grabbed me yeah and uh from that point on i just really started I just really started growing. I just, you know, was reading my Bible as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I felt the change within me, you know, because I, I spent so much of my growing up in church and believing in God and stuff, but now I felt a change. Now I felt, you know, something new in my spirit, something new in my heart. And uh, because of that, I think YouTube came out in like 2005 or something. Yeah. And when I first saw it, I was looking at it. I was like, man, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Who wants to sit around and watch somebody sitting in their living room in their socks and their underwear talking about who, whatever the heck they're talking about, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm sitting here thinking YouTube's the dumbest thing I ever heard of. And then uh, I don't really, it must have been 2008 sometime, and I just felt like the Lord was telling me, I want you to put your testimony on there. Mm-hmm. So I put my testimony on YouTube, and uh, you know, I just uh, I just kind of let it sit for a while. You know, I didn't. Uh, you know, it's not like the views exploded or anything. Yeah. Uh, but what happened was, you know, at the same time, I was really studying prophecy, mm-hmm. and the first prophecy video that I made got ten thousand hits, and I was like. Whoa, man! There's something to this thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then when that took off like that, I was just like, I don't know. I just had a hunger to keep doing it. Yeah. And uh, I just kept going on the prophecy line because, you know, really back then there weren't a lot of people talking about prophecy. No. You know, not that I was aware of. No. You know, when you start talking about Israel and the peace talks and all the all the things that were going on back then. Yeah. Uh. I kind of felt like I was alone out there, you know, just doing it by myself. I'm not saying there weren't other people doing it, uh-huh. but, you know, it just kind of felt like I was one of the few. 
and then just over the over the last several years, you can tell that people have really caught on to it. Oh yeah. You know that, that we're in the end times that these things are happening. Yeah. So. Yeah. Speaking. That's how I started. <laughs> oh, amen. So it's a blessing to have you, bro. Um, now, what 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 are you looking at now as far as the end times? Just get right into it. Um, I think the. Uh, I don't know. I've made the mistake of getting into like date setting and doing stuff like that, and I've uh, I've since repented of that because I've seen how badly people can get burned by it. Yeah. At the same time, I fully believe that we're in the season. Yeah. And uh, what I look at the most that I think is the most telltale sign is just the current events, um, not only in our own country but you know mostly in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. You know, when you take things like. Uh, there's Psalm 83, there's Isaiah 17, and there's uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39. Mm-hmm. And all three of those talk about, you know, wars and battles and all this kind of stuff uh, between all of Israel's neighbors. Yeah. And uh, what wasn't going on back in 2008 was that, you know, back in 08, Israel and Turkey were still allies. You know, you weren't hearing about, like, Iran and Russia being buddies. You aren't hearing about all these kind of alliances mm-hmm. that are now, like, in the news constantly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, not only that, you look at uh, the book of Zechariah, you know, talks about, um, you know, people wanting to come against Jerusalem to divide Jerusalem. Oh. I mean, look at how just trying to divide Jerusalem all the time. You know, they're wanting to... They're wanting to create the Palestinian state. They're wanting to, uh, you know, they're they're saying that East Jerusalem belongs to us. It never belonged to the Jews, you know. So I just, I really look at those, uh, I really look at those current events. I look at all the natural disasters that I think, I don't know, any anybody uh, who's older than high school age should be able to perceive that, you know, things have seriously increased since, you know, when we were kids. And, you know, one of the things Jesus talked about was that, you know, uh, the signs before his coming would be, you know, increase in earthquakes, increase in, uh, you know, the sea and the waves roaring with perplexity, all those kind of things. And it's like the the things that we see in an average week now, Mm -hmm. you probably would see in the span of like six months, you know, 10 or 20 years ago. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, it's just become so rapid fire that we're like desensitized to it. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, as a matter of fact, you hit the right nail on the head right there because uh, I was going to go there. Uh, just in the days of Noah, um, carelessness, and then in the days of uh, Lot, uh, give me a heads up on how you perceive the generation is taking. These events now. Some of some of us look like we know. Of course, we call ourselves watchers. Not everybody calls themselves watchers, but those who are sort of reading into Bible prophecy. And then there are people who the Bible explains it should come on them unaware. Explain to me what the, what is the generation thinking of these days? Uh, they're thinking about uh, <laughs> they're thinking about Xbox. They're thinking about. Uh, American, American Idol. <laughs> they're thinking about you know, Twilight. They're thinking about all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that I was talking to the Lord yesterday, mm-hmm. I was like, why is it so hard 
to get the gospel out to people today? Why is it that so you know people are just so resistant to hearing it? Mm-hmm. And uh, I opened my Bible this morning, and I was in the book of Job, and I came across a verse, uh, I'm trying to remember where it was. It might have been like Job 12, 5. Yeah. And it said, uh, it said I don't have my Bible in front of me. You might have to quote it for me. You got yours? No, I, as a matter of fact, I'm now. Yeah, actually, you, what did you say it was? Uh, Job 12, 5. So, I'm on the road, so I can't just, you know, grab yeah, yeah. my Bible, <laughs> throw it up on the steering wheel, you know? Now you talking about Job, Job, or you talking about Joel? Job, J-O-B. Okay, I got you. Yeah, you can keep talking. Um, but yeah, the uh, the generation around us, um, they're just so blinded by the world. You know, they're so caught up in the things of the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Bible is. You know, it just seems like some dusty old book to them. Oh, for sure, uh, for sure. Job, you know, and it's like they. Job five, right? Job twelve five. Yeah, he that is ready to slip with his feet is as a lamp despised in the thought of him that is at ease. Keep going. Yeah, that was it. And just what that told me was that, like you know, the people that. the people that despise the light or despise the lamp or, you know, they despise it because they're at ease. Yeah. And that's the same with this generation. Everybody's so at ease. Everybody's got everything so, you know, easy. It's like there's no turmoil in their life. Yeah. Them to, you know, look for the light of the gospel, to look for the light of, you know, Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's and uh, that's, the, that's the same thing that the... Uh, you know, Revelation 3 says about the Laodiceans, you know, the Laodiceans say, uh, we are rich. you know, you're rich and have need of nothing, but you're really wretched, poor, blind, and naked. So that's the generation we're in, just a, a bunch of people that got life so easy yeah. that, you know, the gospel just kind of seems like, what do I need that for? I got all this, yeah. you know? Yeah. Now, do you think that, because uh, I was reading this a, a couple of days ago, I kind of said it on my last radio program where it says that the day of the Lord should come as a thief in the night. Now, I've, I've never heard anybody uh, generally correlate the thief part as the church being taken out. Because I, I kind of, I I've always thought that that was what it meant. It's kind of like a jar. You know, you got a jar of, uh, you know, some fragrant perfume, and you take that jar off, and all of a sudden the perfume flies out. Well, I kind of like think, of course, in this in this rate, the the tribulation period actually stinks, but uh, but uh, the the rapture of the church does that define the thief in the night? Does that make any sense? Yeah, and I'm I'm very pre-trib, but that's only because uh, you know I've studied every angle, I've studied post-trib, I've studied mid-trib, yeah, and every time uh, every time I study it out and I look at it from a different angle, I always come back to pre-trib, yeah. And the thing about the thief is, you know, especially with uh, post-trib, how can it come like a thief, you know, if the Bible says that, you know, the abomination of desolation is going to happen, and then you have 12, 60 days until the second coming? Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no surprise about that. You yeah. You're given a specific number of days yeah. to watch for the second coming. Yes, sir. You know, so the thing about the thief... Um, I think the most important thing that uh, most people miss 
uh, and here's the reason why. Uh, we live in a Western culture. Mm-hmm. The Bible is written mostly by Jews for Jews, right? Yes. Sir. You know, the, the New Testament was written to the Gentiles, but it was written by Jewish people, you know, like Peter and Paul and all of them. Yes. So the Western culture really has no understanding of the Jewish culture. Mm-hmm. They're looking at this Jewish book through Western eyes and trying to understand it that way. Mm-hmm. So they're completely, they're completely missing all of the Jewish culture references, right? Mm-hmm. So when you talk about the thief, you know, you talk about the Bible, or sorry, you talk about the rapture being like a thief. Mm-hmm. Um, the the rapture is so closely related to the Jewish wedding tradition mm-hmm. that people, you know, that most people don't even look at that. You know, if post-tribbers would, you know, really study out the Jewish wedding tradition, they'd see how it's all, you know, the same. Because what happens is the... The bridegroom comes and makes the proposal to the to the bride, and she accepts, and then he goes away to build, you know, an addition to his father's house. Uh-huh. Uh, that's the same as uh, John fourteen two and three. He says, you know, uh, I go to my father's house to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Yeah, yeah. So he so in Jewish tradition, he's going to his father's house to add an addition to his house. Uh-huh. And then in Jewish tradition, he comes back and surprises the bride and takes her away. And on that night, you know, they go get married. Yeah, yes, sir. And then, and then after, you know, the bridegroom surprises her and takes her away and they go get married, then what do they do? They go live in the, in the addition on the father's house, or they go consummate the marriage for seven days, yeah. you know, which, you know, picture seven years. And then they emerge as bride and groom, which would be the second coming where Jesus comes with his bride to the Battle of Armageddon. Yeah, yeah. See, the problem with this today, though, is that they are trying to replace Israel with the church. Therefore, you get the problem of uh, you get things mixed up. Uh, Elaborate on that. Well, uh, one of the biggest things that, uh, or one of the biggest miracles in our modern time mm-hmm. is the nation of Israel. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the reason there's so many attacks against the, you know, validity of, the, the validity of Israel mm-hmm. is because Satan hates their guts. Oh, and because, yeah. you know, they, they are a miracle. And, like, Satan has to totally destroy, you know, their credibility and their reputation, uh-huh. you know, to make people think that, oh, they're just... Uh, the synagogue of Satan, and they have no business there, right? Yeah. Well, the thing about Israel is that, you know, they were dispersed for over 1,800 years, mm-hmm. and then, you know, just like the Bible said, it would come back, you know, their nation was born in a single day. Mm-hmm. In May of 1948, the, uh, you know, they declared their independence in a single day through the U.N. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the Bible says, uh, shall a nation... Uh, bring forth in a day, something like that. Uh, I forget where that's at. Is it Isaiah, maybe? Yeah. But, you know, but there's so many prophetic things about the nation of Israel, and it's so contrary to common sense that they would be there. Yeah. Uh, there's 20, I think, 23 Muslim nations that surround them. Mm-hmm. You know, Israel is the size of New Jersey, mm-hmm. and everybody around them is armed to the teeth. Why have they not wiped them out yet? Yeah. You know, in... Uh, 
you know, immediately after their Declaration of Independence, mm-hmm. uh, several of the surrounding nations, I think it was, you know, Egypt and uh, Lebanon, uh, you know, some of the others, they immediately came to attack Israel, which was just born, you know? It's like, what kind of military do you have when you were just born yesterday? Yeah. But somehow they repelled all of these nations, and they took land from them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? that's, that's... So 1967 comes along, and... You know, the same thing going on. All these nations want to come and attack, but in six days they kick everybody's butt and they take land from them. Yeah. I mean, it's totally contrary to common sense. Yeah. (laughs) So everything about Israel is miraculous. And, you know, you got so many people today saying that, uh, you know, Israel is, uh, you know, they're they're not really the Jews of the Bible and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But the problem is that all these people just, they, they haven't really studied out the Old Testament because there's promises in the Old Testament that absolutely must be fulfilled. God will not break his word. Yeah. And when he says that, you know, I will save a remnant of you, you know, or that, um, you know, the whole plan was that he said that, uh, you know, the Jews are in blindness until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. Yeah. And then, you know, they would come back to, uh, you know, the understanding of the gospel, and they'd preach the gospel, you know, because they were the ones that were in, uh, they were they were the ones that were supposed to be kings and priests for Jesus, you know, for the gospel in the first place. Uh-huh. But they first rejected it, so he went to the Gentiles. So there's still promises where Israel is supposed to fulfill the, you know, evangelism of, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So... Now, while most of the Jews, they may be, you know, secular or they don't believe in Jesus as the Messiah, yeah. that doesn't mean they're not Jews. It simply means they're still living in rebellion like so many of us were no. before we saw the truth. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you look at uh, you look at Ezekiel 39, the Battle of Gog and Magog, mm-hmm. and it says that, you know, when God destroys the armies that are coming against Israel, mm-hmm. it says that... Uh, you know, and Israel will know that I am the Lord. Yeah. You know, like because of this miracle that he performed, um, they will now acknowledge that, oh, wow, there is a God, and he is still washing our back. Yeah. And then, you know, I believe Gog Magog is going to happen at the beginning of the seven years. Yeah. So, I mean, once the, once it's revealed to them again that God is still, you know, there and still in their corner and still has a covenant with them, you know, there's going to be 144, uh, you know, Jewish evangelists, and there's going to be two witnesses, and then those guys are going to be responsible for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, while, you know, um, you know, just, just like America's divided, you know, say, liberal and conservative, whatever, uh-huh. I think the Jews are going to be, liber- you know, they're, they're going to stay, you know, some are going to come and follow the Messiah, some are going to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as, you know, the truth, mm-hmm. but others are just going to be like, nope, I still don't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. That, that, that's even... So, <laughs> you know, that, that's why there's going to be a remnant, uh, because, I don't know, everybody's got free will, and they're not going to be forced into believing the gospel. You know, nobody's really forced into it. You ultimately have to make your own decision. Yeah. But... Yeah. You know, with Israel, they have promises from the Old Testament that are still unfulfilled. And the problem with replacement theology is that, you know, it just ignores the, 
It ignores all the promises that were made to Israel yeah. that must still be fulfilled. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes me wonder uh, why anybody even think think that that can even stand the chance of being correct. Uh, well, it's, it's just the devil just trying to stir stuff up and cause a bunch of confusion. Yeah. Now, uh, the, the Illuminati, uh, I, I look at the Illuminati kind of like I look at... Uh, when Jesus was here, uh, and the, I, I guess he just walked on water or something, and then they crossed over to the other side. I don't know what situation was going on, but after he got off the boat, this uh, man comes running up to him with no clothes on, and he and uh, he was um, possessed. Uh, and uh, I look at that individual as possessed by Satan, of course, by the demons. Now, the Illuminati, uh, a lot of people look at the Illuminati as, you know, they just look at the surface of the Illuminati, and they kind of say, well, yeah, the Illuminati is satanically induced, but they never think that Satan's controlling the whole thing. And, and, I, and, I, and I do believe that that's happening, is that Satan, he's controlling these organizations rather than the organizations just, you know, going after Satan as if Satan was just this, you know, God of the, you know, one of the gods of the Greek gods or something like that. He's actually, he's actually controlling things. Uh, right. So, uh, on one point, I'm, I'm trying to bring up the Zionist excuse that all Jew, Jewish people are evil. You know, the I mean, I, I kind of get that mystique. When I when I when I listen to Alex Jones and I, I like Alex Jones, but when I listen to other shows, everybody seems to go after the Jewish. Like every Jewish person is part of the Lumin uh, Zionist movement. Elaborate on that for me, if you even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> even you... I've heard rumors about that, and I really don't pay any attention to it because you know the Bible says in uh, you know uh, Genesis 12, I think it's two and three. You know. Uh, if you will bless Israel, you will be blessed. If you yes, curse them, you will be cursed. Yeah. So I'm going to take that verse and place it high above man's opinion of anything in the Jewish culture. Amen. Amen. I'm going to take God's word far above anything that they say. Amen. And like I said earlier, I do believe that much of the Jewish culture mm -hmm. is living in full rebellion against God. You know, yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not denying that. Yeah. Uh, you know, many of them are not in line with the gospel. They've rejected Jesus as the Messiah. Yeah. But, you know, there's a time for them, there's still yet future, where, you know, they still have their spiritual blindness, and when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, yeah. then that blindness is going to be lifted, and, you know, then they can repent from their rebellion and, you know, whatever things that people claim that they're doing, you know, uh, I know people got all kinds of claims against the Jews, and I, I really don't pay any attention to them because I see them as, you know, uh, God's people. Yeah. And, you know, I, I look at them the same way I look at myself. You know, for 27 years of my life, I lived in full rebellion against God. Yeah. But I'm still, you know, uh, I don't want to get into predestination or anything, but I'm still someone that he knew would come to you know, become his child. Mm -hmm. So there were promises to me that he made before I was ever born. Yes, sir. You know, because he knew that I would choose his son, Jesus Christ, as my Savior. Yeah. So that's the same way I look at the Jews, you know. They just haven't come to their point where, you know, they've been enlightened to what the truth is. Yeah. 
Yeah. Exactly the same way that I was. You know, I was living in a world, uh, you know, drinking and smoking and joking and going to war, almost yeah. killing people and all that stuff. Yeah. But then Jesus lifted that spiritual blindness the same way that he's going to do to the Jewish people. And that is an awesome testimony, bro. Uh, Jesus set me free from alcohol and uh, pornography and uh, now he's working on other things like anger, you know, temporary, you know, c- kind of casual jealousy or envy, some those those type of things right there. But uh, we know that God is working in our lives to live a holy life. Uh, uh, talk to us, uh, talk to the audience about. Um, hopefully, these day and age, we don't lose any <laughs> audience at this moment, but. Talk to us about how God sets us free from those bondages. I mean, well, I, first I'd say about if anybody in the audience is dropping off, don't miss the truth because the truth, uh, you know, is more important than uh, being entertained. So, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, when I got saved, uh, you know, it's not about it's not about, it's not about following a bunch of rules. Yeah. It's about following a person. It's yeah. about following Jesus. Jesus, yeah. So. What happened to me was he showed me his power by delivering me from alcohol and depression. Yeah. You know, these were, you know, I, I dealt with alcoholism for nine years. Yes, sir. I had depression since I was, you know, probably a teenager. Mm-hmm. And when he showed me those things, you know, it just kind of blew my mind. Like, oh, wow, you know, like there's, uh, I don't know, he just totally showed that he holds the power to just destroy this stuff. Uh-huh. And so... If, uh, you know, like, look at the church today. So many of them are, uh, you know, medicated up and, you know, just uh, living fully in the world. Yeah. You know, because they're they're looking to man for answers Uh when Jesus has the answers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, if somebody's got anxiety or depression or, you know, family problems or whatever, they're going to doctors. They're going to, you know, counselors, psychologists, you know. They're going to, you know, medication. Yeah. You should be on your knees talking to the one who built you. Hey, Amen. You know? Yeah. It's like, uh, like I, I'm really into computers, you know? Mm-hmm. If, uh, if I build a computer and, you know, something starts going wrong with it, should I pass it off to somebody else and let them start installing all kinds of weirdo software to try and fix it? <laughs> or are you going to take it to the guy that built it and knows what the heck is going on? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... You know, what, what you started with was, uh, you know, how you're dealing with certain things. Mm-hmm. That's just sanctification. Salvation yeah. starts with faith alone. You know, look at the thief that was on the cross next to Jesus. All he said was, you know, remember me when you come, to, come into your kingdom. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, so what he was saying was that, you know, this thief on the cross was like, I do believe you're the Messiah. I do believe you're the Son of God, and you don't deserve to be here because you never did anything wrong. Yes. You know, so by, like, that that's the first key step, just acknowledging that Jesus is who he says he is. Yes, sir. You know, the gospel is so simple, and it just starts with acknowledging who Jesus is, you know, who he says he is. Yeah. And then you have to come into agreement with him about sin. You know, the word repentance uh, I think a lot of people twist it up to be like, oh, well, you know, if you don't stop every sin today, you're going to hell. Yeah. 
the word repentance, if you look it up in the Greek, it actually means like to turn from, to like change your mind about it. Yeah. So while you and I may struggle with, uh, you know, like you mentioned pornography or whatever, you know, yeah. uh, just just the culture we live in, it's easy to look at a woman and be like, oh man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And start having some bad thoughts. Yeah. But the thing about repentance is that you come into agreement with Jesus about sin. You say that, okay, Lord, I realize that this is wrong, that this is contrary to your word, yeah. and I agree with you that this is sin, and I just ask you to, you know, give me the strength to come over, you know, to, you know, uh, overcome it. Yeah. You know, because we're, we're all in a process of sanctification, you know. You may, you may get victory over one thing early in your walk, yeah. but you may spend 80 years of your life struggling with another thing. Yeah. But you're saved by faith. You're not saved by the works of the law. Amen. You know, that's what Romans talks about. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you if you break one part of the law, you've broken the whole thing. Yes, sir. So it, it's it's all about faith, and it's all about being in agreement with Jesus about sin. You know, uh, that's why humility is so important. Yeah. You know, if you have pride and you won't if if you won't come into agreement, like if you're doing something, say you're say you're out clubbing yeah. and sleeping with chicks every night, if you're not humble enough to say. Oh Lord, this is sin, and I need to turn from this. Mm-hmm. Then He's not going to have any mercy on you because you're you're in open rebellion against Him. You may believe in Him, but you're not coming into alignment. You're not coming into agreement with Him yeah. about what sin is. First John, one not eight and nine. Yep. <laughs> uh, which one? First John one nine. Yep. One nine. Uh, one eight and one nine. Yeah. One eight and one nine. Yep. Yeah, if we confess our sins, He's he is faithful to, yep. to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yep. And there's another one in, I think, Proverbs that says that he who confesses and forsakes his sin yeah. will find mercy. Amen. You know? Yeah. So it's not about being perfect, yeah. but it's about it's about coming into agreement and just doing your best to, you know, not do the things yeah. that you know, are just contrary to him. Like, here's the thing, the, the sin, the word sin means, you know, rebellion against God. Uh-huh. So how are you going to, how are you going to say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, and then you're also going to follow sin, like, you're going to follow him and you're going to follow rebellion against him? Hmm. Like, it's, one is a polar opposite of the other. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we have a sin nature, we're always going to struggle, like, even Paul said, you know, I do the things that I don't want to do. I don't do the things that I want to do. Who's going to save me from this wretched body of death? Yeah. And he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ who, you know, uh, I know I'm getting the verse wrong, but he, he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ because Jesus died for yeah. his sin. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's just a constant struggle. It, you know, it's, it's something that takes your whole lifetime. You know, it's not just. A sinner's prayer when you're five or ten or eighteen or whatever, yeah. and then you're just you're just done. Yeah. You know, when you that that is the first step in a walk with Jesus, and it's a whole lifetime. Yeah. So what the belief that uh, uh, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, you'd be saved. That belief describe that belief rather than the demons believe and they tremble. What 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 makes the belief so I mean you can believe that you're saved by going to Billy Graham uh, Crusade back in the nineteen eighties and when you leave that stadium 
uh, you you live your life just normal. Um, what makes the true what makes true belief, and what makes counterfeit belief? Well, one of the things that Jesus said was, "You must be born again." You know, there must be there must be a difference between the old man and the new man. Yeah. When I was uh, when I was in the bar, you know. Uh, I was drinking, you know, getting drunk all the time, and I believed in God. I was in Iraq in a tank behind a machine gun, yeah. you know, listening to Metallica, getting hyped up in case I had to kill somebody. Yeah. But I believed in God, and I thought that, oh, well, if I get killed today, I'm okay. Yeah. Well, here's something I didn't tell you as part of my testimony. Mm-hmm. I was in Iraq. I almost got killed twice. Mm-hmm. Uh now, when I got saved, I came home and came to a Bible study, and somebody gave me a word of knowledge. Uh-huh. And this person knew nothing about my tour in Iraq. I mean, they knew I was there, but they didn't know any of the details. Yeah. And he said, he just said, I feel like the Lord's telling me that you were supposed to die twice in Iraq. Wow. And your life was spared. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, still saying that, you know, this is, this is years later. That still gives me chills saying that. Wow. Wow. So... You know, even when, even when I was in the bar, even when I was in Iraq, you know, I believed in my head, I believed in my mind that, you know, Jesus was a real person, that God was real, and, uh, you know, I, I even believed that Jesus was the Son of God and all this stuff. Yeah. There wasn't, uh, there wasn't a born again, there wasn't a thing where my spirit became born again by the Holy Spirit, by the power of God. Yeah. And... Here's here's a analogy that I've used before. You know, if I say that, uh, like so many people say that they're Christians, right? You know, like they know they know who Jesus is, right? Yeah. Okay. Say I tell you that I know Obama. Yeah. You know, and I go to his house and I'm standing on his porch and he answers his door. Yeah. And I say, Hey, what's going on? Let me in. And he says, I don't know you. Yeah. Get off my porch. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like, so many people have that kind of mental uh, belief where they know who Jesus is, but if they showed up on Jesus' porch, he would say, depart from me, I never knew you. Yeah, yeah. So, it's about a thing where, you know, not only are you confessing that he is, you know, uh, the Son of God, raised from the dead, you know, believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, and all these things. It's not just about believing that, but it's about... You know, asking the Lord to make you a new creation, to make you born again, yeah. where the Spirit of God actually touches your life. Because Amen. one of the things Paul said was that, you know, uh, we're sealed by the Spirit until the day of the re- until the day of redemption. So if you're not if you don't have that spiritual rebirth, yeah, you're not His. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's like you you can you can believe in your mind all day long. Mm-hmm. Until you have, like, that spiritual rebirth, mm-hmm. you're just not where you need to be. Yeah. And so many people have not come to that, uh, so many people have not come to that part of their walk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the Holy Spirit has to be there. <laughs> uh, right. Do you, do you, have you heard of the book, Not a Fan? What is it? It's called Not a Fan. It's by no. Carl Eidemann. Eidemann. I got the book. I can't even pronounce his name, though, because it's like idol <laughs> and then man. But uh, it talks about being a fan uh, in a, uh, versus being a follower. 
uh, being a fan is like, you know, right. you 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 you're in the you in the bleachers. You you cheer them on, but you really don't know the players. You really don't know the coach personal. But a follower, the person who actually gets involved, uh, not that you say by works or not. That's not the point. But the point is that your heart belongs to Christ. The book the book is pretty good. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not the type of person who who really I like I love my Bible. And I ain't trying to be, I, I'm not trying to boast or nothing, but I understand that, because uh, when I used to live in Hawaii, I would put, I would read a lot of books. And then some of the church members would be like, why are you reading? I mean, you know, they don't say it to me, but they said clean it up a little bit. But what they meant was why are you reading all those books when you should be reading the Bible first, which today I'm, lo- I'm glad I never took that personal. I actually took that advice. But this book right here, just it, it's, it's, it's a good book because it defines a follower versus a fan. And he, right. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I tell you to do? And, exactly. and you do it out of obedience because he said in 1 John, he talked about uh, if, you, if you love me, you keep my commandments. And people probably say, what commandments? What are you talking about? Well, throughout the New Testament, by itself, he commands you to love your wife as Christ loved the church. I struggle with that one. I love my wife to death now than I did four weeks ago, than I did prior to that six months ago, you know. But yeah. but um, to to be a follower means that you do what he says. Do not forsake the gathering assemblies yourself. So you're a truck driver, so it's kind of hard for you to <laughs> go anywhere. But... You know, we're doing what God says to do. We're not saved by works, but we 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 love Him. Therefore, we are we we obey Him. So uh, one of the things that He said was, you know, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Yeah. You know? So like you you know if you belong to Him because you follow Him. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. You know, and it's you know it's not about being perfect. Nobody can keep the Ten Commandments. Yes. Nobody can uh, you know walk in perfect except for Jesus himself. So for Jesus. Uh, you know, but I mentioned this in another video. Uh, the word Christian means follower of Christ. Yeah. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a verse in Acts that says that, you know, the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So yeah. the word Christian is synonymous with the word disciple, and disciple means someone who follows one's teaching. So... There's so many people running around with just the name tag on that says, hey, I'm a Christian. Yeah, yeah. But they totally lack the following part. Yeah. You know, a real Christian actually follows. That's the, the, that's the definition of the word. Yeah. So so what's the pre, so, so what is the pre-requirements? You know, you go to college and you, before you can take, you know, trigonometry, you have to have, have pre-requirements. Uh, what is the pre-requests for the rapture of the church? In other words, what has to be going on in your life um, in relevance to God for you to be a rapture? Are you talking on, like, a personal level or on, like, a uh, prophetic level? Like, are you just talking for, for a person? Yeah. Uh, what does your life have to be like? Um and to hear that trumpet sound and actually to vanish and go into heaven. Um, and I, I, I already know the answer, but uh, I, I want to hear you. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people that will tell you that, you know, all believers go. Yeah. And, 
I'm sorry, but I don't believe that. I believe that, uh, you know, again, you have to take the Bible and look at it through a Jewish perspective. And again, the rapture, it's not only, you know, synonymous with the wedding, but it's also synonymous with a harvest. Yeah. And the rapture is a first fruits of the harvest. Like, I've grown a garden for the past several years, uh-huh. and I know that if I put out a couple tomato plants, it's going to put up a couple red ones, but the rest of the plant's not going to be ready. There's going to be a bunch of little green ones and stuff. Yeah. So... I mean that's the same thing with the rapture. He's looking for the ripe fruit. He's looking for the he's looking for the first fruits that are ready now. Yeah. You know he's looking for somebody who's walking in obedience, walking in faith. You know, uh, not not surrounded and in love with the world. You know, the Bible says that you know if you love the uh, love of the world is enmity with God. You know, meaning you're an enemy of God. So look at how many people in just the American church alone are in love with the world. Oh yeah, you know, oh. but they think, but they think they're going to be raptured, you know, and that goes right back to the to the Laodicean church in uh, Revelation three. Yeah, that's what I was. You know, they say they say I'm rich and have need of nothing. Yeah, you know, but Jesus says you're really wretched, poor, blind, and naked. What he's telling them is that you know you have all this material junk, but you don't have the truth. Yeah. You know, they yeah. have that head belief, but they don't have that reborn by the spirit heart. Yeah, yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Church of Philadelphia, in verse 8 of chapter 3, he says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Um, now, reading that verse, uh, what does that verse tell you relevance to Laodicea? And let me read it one more time. It says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. What's the difference? Why, why, why is he telling them they have not denied my name versus Laodicea? What the heck did Laodicea do that, that was different? Well, um... You know, there's, there's, uh, when you're born again, there's like a real commitment to Jesus. Like, you have a root. Like, uh, when I was born again, I know that I know that I know that, you know, Jesus is who he says he is and he did what he did. Yeah. You know, it's not just a belief for me anymore. Yeah. And there's so many people in the church where, like, let's say, uh, let's say we go to Joel Osteen's church, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. And you and I come in the front door with AK-47s. Mm-hmm. and say, you know, uh, those of you that uh, believe in Jesus and will not deny his name, get on the left. And those of you who are willing to deny his name uh, and want to go free without getting killed, yeah. go to the right. You know, I'd say probably 90%, 80% would go to the right. <laughs> and they just they'd file out the fire exits. And then the other 10 or 20% would be like, I am not denying Jesus' name for anything. You can fill me full of holes. You can cut my head off. You can do whatever you got to do. Yeah. But I'm committed to Jesus no matter what you got. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, that, that's the kind of thing. You've got to have that root in you. You have to have that, you have to, you have, to have that dedication. Like, yeah. people have to understand that Jesus is a king. He's not just, you know, Lord, Savior, all these things. He's also a king, you know. Uh, and because of our Western democracy and all that, we don't really understand living under a monarchy. Mm-hmm. But... You know, if he presented himself as a king, you know, 
and like if you went if you went to a king and you know like weren't loyal to him, mm-hmm. it'd probably cut your head off. You know. Yeah. It's like it's, I don't know. It's a, it's all about a level of loyalty. You know. Uh, yeah. That that's just the separation I see between those Philadelphians and the Laodiceans. Yeah. The Laodiceans are the ones that you know if hard times really come. Yeah. They're going to be like, oh, man, i got to look out for number one. Jesus isn't doing anything for me right now. I'm going to, yeah. you know, this guy's got a stash over here. I'm going to go kill him, take his food so I can eat and feed my kids. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> where the Philadelphians are going to be like, you know, Heavenly Father, and they're going to pray and be like, Lord, we know that you, uh, you know, have never seen the righteous forsaken and never seen their seed begging bread and that you're going to provide for us just like you gave the Jews manna from heaven and all this So. I mean, there's just a there's just a separation of loyalty, you know. Those that those that are kind of uh, like fair weather friends, yeah, or those who are going to like stick through it even if World War Three comes, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, uh, uh, I just had a good question, and then the Skype message came up saying I have the microphone on too too loud. It kind of distracted me, but. Uh, well, let's go back to uh, let's go to Syria. Let's talk about Syria, um, and I want to hear your take on this. Um, I, I myself, uh, not I'm not an antichrist chaser. I believe in Titus two thirteen, looking for that blessed hope, and you know, talking about looking for our God and Savior Jesus Christ to come get us. Um, but uh, just for the conversation. Uh, who do you see? Oh, not who do you see? Where do you see the Antichrist coming from? I think I I, I gave him what I thought he was coming from already. But uh, who do you who do you think he is? What type of person is he? Is he a religious figure, um, uh, or is he a suit or robe? <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, Great. That, that's a that's a tough question because people have been discussing it forever and ever, you yeah. know. And uh, I used to try and pick out who he was and everything. Yeah. But Second uh, Thessalonians says that he's not going to be revealed until the restrainer is taken out of the way. And if I know so, who he is, I've been left behind. <laughs> right. Go ahead. So, I believe after the rapture, if you have, you know, any kind of Bible knowledge, like if you used to be one of these head believers and not one of these heart believers, yeah. and you find yourself left behind, mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to have any trouble picking out, oh, it's the big guy that's running the show now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I don't I don't try to pick names. I've heard all the theories about, you know, uh, Bashar Assad and Obama and yeah. Prince William and all these guys. Yeah. You know, everybody's got a theory about it. Yeah. And sometimes I really just feel like that's such a distraction. Oh, yeah. From, you know, just, you know, Bible says preach the gospel uh-huh. and get people into the kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, if you spend all your time trying to figure <laughs> out who he is, who are, you, who are you really bringing in before it's too late? I know. I know, right? You know, because I know people that spend their every waking moment trying to figure out, oh, well, you know, this is the mark of the beast, and this guy is the Antichrist, and, you know, here's how this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. You know, if we just focus on the gospel and bringing people in, they won't have to worry about all of that. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I I understand where you're coming from. I I believe that the Antichrist is likely on the scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, He may even be someone who's in the, you know, public eye right now yeah and you know just like anybody else i got a couple people that i might be like okay this could be it but i'll tell you i'm not a hundred percent on any person and 
you know, I, I see how certain people could step right into the role. Yeah. But, you know, I don't feel confident enough about it where I could be like, this is totally the guy. This is, you know, when sealed you, in stone. You want me to be dogmatic? I'll tell, you who I, I, I'll tell you who I think he is. You ready? Go for it. I believe the Antichrist is, you got it right. I don't think he's nowhere to be seen. I don't even think, this is my opinion, but I don't, if people get mad when I tell them this. I don't believe the Antichrist is anywhere to be seen. Now, as far as the global scene, I don't think he is. Now, as far as Syria, I believe, not, not one thing I do believe the Antichrist will come from, and the Bible gives some hints. Uh, somewhat to, uh, in, a, in, a, in the area of Iraq, Syria, and Turkey, something like that. But the Assyrian, uh, I, I, I have a feeling, this is just not, I mean, if somebody have a comment, you know, you watching YouTube or a blog talk, leave a comment, but I, I have the notion that someone is out of the line, uh, in general, uh, international, you know, media. He's not there. He's more like in a, uh, maybe in a position, maybe he's a CEO somewhere. Maybe he's a college professor like Obama. I don't know. But he he's nowhere to be seen until that trumpet sound and millions of people vanish off the face of the earth, and then he shall be revealed. Uh, other than that, I don't think, I think he's a pretty boy. I, I believe he's a, I believe that all the politicians we ever seen this guy is going to look, the Bible says he has to look more stout than his fellows. It also calls him the king of fierce features. And I don't understand why people can't understand that the word fierce means it's a tough look. It's intimidating. He's a pretty boy, but he's got the character lines. He's got the, you know, the green eyes or the hazel eyes. It means hair slicked back like a mafia leader. He's six foot four, six foot five. I mean, good-looking guy. That's the that's who I see as the Antichrist. Somebody I don't know yet, but I know he has to be good-looking for the ladies and suave and can speak boastfully, proud, arrogant. I believe that when he arises, he's going to be um, the, the some symbol like Adolf Hitler. He's going to look like Adolf Hitler on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. Um, um, you know, the Bible says that, uh, you know, it's possible that even the elect would be deceived. So, uh, I mean, this guy's got to be so super slick yeah. that, you know, even people that call themselves Christians are like, uh, he's not the Antichrist, come yeah. on. Yeah. But I think, that, I think some key features that we need to look for is that he destroys many through peace. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, so, like I said, I'm not 100% on any person, but I'm kind of leaning one way. Yeah. Uh, I'll just say it. I'm leaning towards Obama, but I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not dogmatic. I'm not dogmatic about it. If it turned out to be somebody else, I'd be like, whatever. <laughs> but but here's here's something I find interesting. Uh-huh. Um, you know how Jesus had John the Baptist come and he prepared the way for him. He made his way straight. Yeah. Well, you know, Obama, even if he's if he's not the Antichrist, uh-huh. he's making the way straight for the Antichrist. Yeah. I'll give him yeah. that much. Yeah. You know, he's, he's got a spirit of Antichrist on him, you know. Yeah. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that he's the, the, the final guy or anything. Yeah. But, you know, he's certainly he's certainly part of the system. And 
I think he's really putting stuff in the position to destroy many through peace. You know, oh, yeah. look at how he's dealing with Israel, saying, "Oh no, no, don't uh, don't attack anybody, don't attack Syria, don't attack Iran, because we can do this diplo- uh, through diplomacy." Yeah. So and he's got them sitting, you know, back so far to where things get so tense, almost to the point where you know it gives Iran the the chance to run away with it and make the first shot. You yeah. know. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you got that going on, and it's like, uh, I, I don't know how you explain this, but, I mean, the guy's only been in office since, oh, you know, early 09, uh-huh. and yet turned the entire uh, American, poli- you know, politic, and every he's turned the whole thing upside down, you know. Yeah. He's pretty much thrown the Constitution in the trash. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, how do you explain that? It's like they put this guy into office because he charmed everybody uh-huh. and you know he's got the whole thing flipped upside down yeah. and nobody's really reacting to it yeah you know people talk and people people get all mad and say this and that but i mean it's just not i mean it's like it's been stolen right out from under our hands out from under our eyes you know yeah he took it another uh, level um so I, I think it's funny that as much as he lies Mm-hmm. So many people are just on board with him, even to the point where I really feel like he's about to get reelected. You know, I think yep. these, uh, I think these guys running for the Republican nomination, yep. you know, yep. they're a bunch of chumps, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Rom- Romney is, you know, just a uh, Obama light. Yeah. Uh, Santorum, you know, I like him because he's, you know, morally conservative and all these kind of things. Yeah. But. He doesn't have the uh, he doesn't have the support to really get in there. Yeah. I think uh, Newt's a joke, and sorry if I offend anybody, but I don't think Ron Paul's got any you know stay in power either. I don't oh. think he can even get in there. No, no. But you know, I, I don't think any of them can get in there. I think Obama's got it clinched because yeah. look at uh, you know how King Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. Uh huh. You know. Uh, look at Israel. You know, they were a great uh, kind of blueprint for what's going on with us. Mm-hmm. You know, they said, we want to have a king like everybody else, you know. Mm-hmm. And God was like, you know, well, I'm supposed to be your king, but, you know, if you want this guy, he's going to be corrupt and crooked. Yeah. But I'll give you your king. Mm-hmm. So it's like, look at what has happened in America. They've kicked God out of school, out of the courts, out of, you know, prayer out of the classrooms. Uh, you know, they've kicked God out of just about every aspect of American culture. You know, in the public culture, anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's like they've decided, oh well, we want a we want a king. You know, we we don't want God in our schools. We don't want God in our anywhere. Yeah. And they're looking to Obama to be their savior. You know, look at how many people when he got elected was like, oh, Obama's going to fix everything. He's going to save the economy. He's going to, you know, just uh, like like he's a savior in a man's body to so many people. Mm. And I really believe that God said, well, you know, if you don't want me as your God, here's your God. You can have him. Yeah. And because America has not repented, I believe that he's going to get reelected as a further judgment against this country. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you believe that um, uh, the United States not being 100% identified in Bible prophecy means that the United States I guess that is my question. What do you think happened in the United States? I think it's unmistakable that uh, America is Babylon, and I believe that uh, 
you got to look at it this way. How can you have a new world order with America in the position that it's in? Yeah. You know, for the new world order, you have to have everybody on level on a level playing field. Mm-hmm. And America is sovereign, wealthy, all these things. America uh, has to be torn down. Yeah. Okay, not, not only for that reason, but also, who's the, who's the last country on earth that's defended Israel? Uh-huh. You can't attack Israel while you got Big Brother America sitting over their shoulder. You know, even if even if we don't think that Obama's really going to go, you know, uh, uh, support them militarily, mm-hmm. we're, we're still a threat to the rest of the world, yeah. and the rest of the world probably hasn't really gone after Israel like they want to uh-huh. because they know the American military is hanging out in the Middle East. Yeah. So I really feel like America has to be pretty much just destroyed, brought so low that they really have no role in the end times. And, uh, you know, just look at Sodom and Gomorrah, you know. Uh, everybody, when they hear Sodom and Gomorrah, they immediately think of homosexuality, right? Yeah. And, you know, um, and Jesus, or, yeah, he said that it'll be as the days of Lot, you know, when, when the, you know, coming to the Son of Man is. So it'll be just like, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah. Like, look at how much homosexuality has just become, you know, kind of integrated in our society. It's become okay. acceptable. Yeah. It's kind of become where people don't really fight against it anymore. Yeah. I mean, they do a little bit, but yeah. for the most part, the culture is just kind of like, you know, like, okay with it. Yeah. Well, the homosexual uh, agenda, they fight more for their causes than the Christian church fight for its causes. Right, that's sad. But yeah. I, I think the I think the Christian church is also just so worn out from fighting everybody yeah, all the time. That's true. Love Talk Radio. I'm going to a city that's set on a hill. Its ruler and maker is the Lord God above. Oh, I'm going to a city. Hello everyone and God bless you today. This is Susan Puzio and I want to welcome you to the Prophetic News Radio Broadcast. And we have a special guest for you today, James Sunquist, and we are going to be talking about the Antichrist, uh, the nation of Israel, the war that will be fought against Israel, and we will also be talking about the Muslim Jesus versus the Christian Jesus. So we'll be bringing our guest on in a few minutes. Um, I just wanted to uh, let you know that we do have a website, and our website is propheticnews.com. We also have a YouTube channel, and our YouTube channel is Jonah, T for Tom 48, and there's some very interesting videos there for you. Uh, we also uh, will be playing our program on Monday evening on the Prophecy Zone Network. So if you want to check that out, that's 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
we will be coming to you live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, the last few weeks we did have some technical problems, so hopefully we're going to uh, get that all straightened out so that uh, we can continue to bring you these great broadcasts. So I just want to uh, mention to you today, uh, I want to make it a point to try to mention it every week so that we can get the word out about the vaccinations. And uh, many people don't know this. I know they don't know it because I don't hear enough people talking about it. I think it's one of the biggest travesties of our day is the fact that most childhood vaccines that are given to babies and even some that are given to adults have aborted babies as one of the ingredients. So um, I think that you need to know that. You need to tell your friends. You need to um, not vaccinate your child with a product that c- contains an aborted baby. Uh, we wonder why there's so much autism. Uh, it's a plague of autism, brain damage, and uh, it's no wonder because of the ingredients that are contained in a vaccination. There are alternatives. Um, But make sure that when you get a vaccination or um, for yourself or your child that you ask to see the ingredient list. And if it says human diploid cell lines, then you know that it came from an aborted baby and you certainly don't want to inject yourself or your child with such an ingredient. Also, you can go to my website, propheticnews.com. I have a link to a list of vaccinations and the ingredients they contain. Also, uh, if you do a search, vaccines from abortion, you can find that information. It's readily available. I I wonder why it's not talked about. It's a dirty little secret, but trying to do my part to get the secret out. So... uh, We'll be bringing our guest on now, our guest, James Sunquist. Also, I want to let you know that this is a live call-in show today. If you'd like to call in, the number is 914-338-1638. And we also have a chat room that's open, and I will be checking the chat room during the program. So I'm bringing my guest on again. Hi, James. Well, hello, Susan. Great to be back with you again. Uh, are we going to have a Circus Maximus uh, Saturday Night Live comedy uh, this week? That's about what it was, I'm telling you. That's uh, about what it was. I, oh, dear. Skype isn't out to get you. Uh, at some point, uh, it worked very nicely in terms of sound, didn't you think, at least? Oh, I thought that we sounded great, but when I went to listen back to it, you couldn't hear you at all. Oh, that's too bad. I don't know how that happened. And your friend that called in, uh, he was frustrated, too. Uh, Did he ever come back? (laughs) Yeah, he came came back and finished the program. But when we were talking to each other, it sounded beautiful. The sound was so perfect. And then... uh, he was telling me that he couldn't hear you, so then when I went back after and listened, no, you couldn't hear you. 
and uh, so I, I will have to iron out. Uh, I'll have to get somebody to do some tests with me about with the Skype, so we see if we can get it right. Because I thought, wow, it just sounds so clear and beautiful, but it didn't. It didn't turn out that way. The end product, but uh, anyway, I didn't have any problems getting on today. I didn't have any problems getting you on, so uh, it looks like it's good going here. From that's that's great. Uh, well, I I uh, I thought I was supposed to call it five after, maybe earlier, but I just happened to catch your uh, discussion about abortion and. Um, Inoculations or something? Yeah. Did you get, just give me a brief sentence or two because I think I have something for you uh, to tell you. That isn't what you wanted to talk about today, but I thought we could. Yeah, no, we can talk about it. I, I, um, I feel very strongly about this subject, and uh, I wanted to make sure that I mentioned it in every broadcast. In a few broadcasts, I missed talking about it, but. Um, one of the ingredients in vaccinations, it, it's and almost all of the childhood vaccinations, there's very few that don't contain the uh, aborted baby cell line. Um, on the packaging, it says uh, human diploid cell line. So the um, they did it in the 60s. They took some cells from an aborted baby and they use it in um, most of the vaccinations, even some of the flu vaccines. Uh, it's a dirty little secret that isn't out there. But when I tried to get the information out, uh, I called the 700 Club, I called TBN, I called Rod Parsley. I don't know how many times I called Rod Parsley and sent him letters and talked to his school principal and they, these people all claim to be pro-life. John Hagee, uh, Daystar Network, uh, they make a big deal about pro-life, but yet not one of them would talk about this. And I found it shocking. Wow. Well, I'm sure, you have probably done a few shows on the subject of, of abortion, haven't you, Susan? I haven't done. I uh, know I haven't done. I don't think I've done any shows on the on the total subject of abortion. I need to, but I I wanted to uh, do a program. I was trying to bring on. I had emailed a man. I think his name is Olmstead. I don't know if it's Daniel Olmstead, but he actually did a study of the Amish people and they do not vaccinate their children, and there was no autism found, according wow. to his study. Yes, no autism found in never vaccinated Amish children. So, wow. And there are some scientific studies out there that have been done linking autism and ADHD to the vaccines. You can see that there's been a steady climb in this um, brain damage in children, since uh, probably if people cared to do the research to see the charts, when they first made abortion illegal and they started using these human diploid cell lines. There's a lot of it attributed to the change in nutrition and the, and the fact that you're, the children are eating the steroids that are fed to animals. You know, yeah. steroids for athletic reasons, sometimes yeah. they'll believe. 
but they forget that the kind of thing that's being fed to animals that we eat later. That's true. I mean, a lot of it has, of course, they're not going to link it. Uh, they're not going to tell you the truth. I called Sean Hannity. I called uh, Bill O'Reilly. I called, I, I wrote to uh, Anderson Cooper because they did a, um, they were trying to really make this English doctor a villain. He had he had done a study himself about the MMR vaccine damaging children and causing autism. So it was his finding. And then uh, I guess the vaccine manufacturers were upset, so they took away his license to practice medicine. I think they they basically tried to kick him out of the U.K., and then they, a few months ago, they did a big thing about him on all the big channels, CNN, MSNBC, and Fox. And they were all bad-mouthing him and, and uh, trying to say that his claims were foolishness and there was nothing uh, damaging about vaccinations. Well, not, they tell you about the mercury and they tell you about the aluminum, but I have never heard one n- news commentator or... or uh, ministry in this country ever tell people what is really in a vaccine uh there's an aborted baby in the vaccine and you're injecting your child with this thing and uh, then you wonder why your child goes crazy why it has brain damage uh we're not supposed to be injecting human beings with dead people <laughs> you know? well, and let, let us not even get into the effects of psychotropic drugs um, that are given to everyone from people that suffering, uh, uh, be, well, they're really morally suffering there because they're convicted, but nevertheless they perceive that they're suffering from having had an abortion. And so they go and they get these diagnoses that then, then lead to uh, medication of some form of psychotropic drug to help them with their stress management after what they did what they did. But uh, we don't even know the impact and the down uh, of uh, the long-term impact of psychotropic drugs, let alone what it's going to pass on to your children if you took them. Uh, sure. I see this firsthand uh, from friends and relatives um, that were given psychotropic drugs. One uh, tried to, and this is well documented. If you go to ADHD fraud, uh, they have all the documentation on all the attempted suicides of people taking psychotropic drugs. And uh, and I know firsthand that a, a relative that uh, tried to take his life after he started uh, taking them, and these drugs uh, also can turn you into a zombie. Uh, yeah. The growth of little, little children. Um, uh, babies, or when they start giving them, uh, you know, when you're growing up, uh, there's a train load of problems to go on and on. Um, but on the the pro-life and the abortion question, it's going to become an increasingly political, if not prophetic, issue uh, as the election comes about because of with Obama being able to were he to, even before his term expires, were he to nominate another Supreme Court justice, 
uh, and if he gets another turn, it could be another term of office. He could appoint uh, even more uh, yeah. to put the 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 right to life back, set it back, uh, maybe forever until the Lord returns. So oh, it's sure. a major issue. Uh, it's a major to, issue. It's a major issue. But I found that it, it's even a political issue in the church because I couldn't believe that Rod Parsley's son. Uh, I mean, I'm not endorsing Rod Parsley's ministry, but I, I thought, well, he's he's got a program where he could talk about these kind of things, and he gets more uh, more listeners than I do. So uh, his son actually did get uh, a form of autism when he was about two, so he knows firsthand the devastation. And I couldn't believe that after calling, of course, you can't ever talk to Rod, so I called his school principal. I... I uh, I I saw a man that was on his TV program, and I called the man that was on his TV program and said, could you please give this information to Rod, because I was emailing him. I sent him packages, priority mail. I thought if anybody should be talking about it, it should be him, but he never mentioned it one time. Now, what vaccinations are you alarmed about uh, that have the, the, I guess it's the the stem cells from, from infants they stick in there? Is that what they use? Yeah, they're using the cells from aborted babies into the vaccines. And it's most of them. It's almost every single one. Now, there's not even one chickenpox vaccine that doesn't have it. It's wow. a singles vaccine. There's a flu vaccine that has it. There's, um, I think, the MMR itself. And that was the one that the doctor from England was especially concerned about. Of course, he never talked about the fact that they were using uh fetal cell lines uh, mm. in the vaccines, but he did say there was a link to autism in vaccines, so they basically disgraced him, and like I said, they took away his medical license, and then they did this massive propaganda campaign a couple months ago about, well, there is no link to autism and vaccinations, but there definitely is, and uh, so I, I try to mention it. I'm going to try to do it every program to mention it, and I will be doing some programs about it. But I wanted to bring on, especially this man, Daniel Olmsted, that did the study about no no autism found in Amish children because they were be, never vaccinated. That would be uh, a really good show. Uh, I, I'm hoping on another front that you'll have Marsha West uh She has been writing, and I've corresponded with her. It's on a slightly different topic, but I didn't want to forget to tell you at least. Okay. Um, She has a a publication uh, called the EM Brigade, and I can connect you with her. Just a little sidebar, uh, Susan. Okay. Back to the pro-life abortion uh, question, Uh, I was just finishing a color slide show that has a song on it that was written to publish a book by, to help promote a book by John Anderson, who was a pastor uh, for 25 or 30 years, and he's traveled around the world, and it's one of his themes, and she... uh, I produced the song that she sang from the poem that was written by a lady in in New Zealand, in 
the poem is called Cry of the Children. And I just, my wife is still uh, proofing this, uh, and we're going to soon post it on our site as well as on YouTube. But I thought I could read the slides to you, um, if you're okay to get a little preview. Yeah. Um, I'll just click them through one at a time. Cry of the Children, a song of appeal from a billion-voice choir, which includes 46 million male and female unborn aborted babies worldwide per year, 1.37 million unborn aborted babies in the United States per year, who will never have a birth certificate, and the letters addressed to and the song to President Barack Obama, who does have a birth certificate, or does he? Maybe. And <laughs> I don't think he's got one. <laughs> we haven't seen it. I don't know why you want to hide your birth certificate if you birth certificate if you have one. That I don't understand. <laughs> uh, and it's also to Planned Parenthood, Obama's partner, to members of Congress, Obama's partner, to the United Nations to physicians, hospitals, clinics who perform abortions, pharmaceutical companies, eugenicists, selective breeders, population controllers, and all people who pr promote and fund them, and all people who participate in, in an abortion, and everyone who believes in equal rights for women, and everyone who believes in equal rights for unborn women. Um, and then there's a, a, a slide of an ultrasound uh, picture of a 12 week old fetus and we have a slide of a, an abortion and it's a, a relief that's done by uh, depicting a demon inducing an abortion by pounding it the abdomen with a, a, a pestle you know like with a mortar and pestle yeah. and the poem is written I'm reading the poem but it's actually a song and you'll hear the song when it's posted um, by Teresa Goodwin a cry has gone out to the sons of men a cry from the throne of God. What have you done with my little ones? Where have they gone? I hear the cry of the child, the cry of a million children. I created the beauty on their faces. Now all I see is pain. I created the beauty on their faces, and all I see is pain. Come up here, you men and women. What is on your hands? The color of crimson. You spread death throughout the land. You have taken the right to live. Do you realize what you have done? Many a child of blessing has, has never seen the sun. Yes, they will live with me. They will live forevermore. And before you they shall stand on the day of judgment to condemn you, sinful man. So arise you who would repent of this sin, and I'll forgive you, and I will turn aside Turn, um, and you will turn aside, for the cry of the children has come to my ears, and my face from them I will not hide. And then I quote Jeremiah, Before the, I, I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Jeremiah 1.5 for thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb, Psalm 139.13.
And then I quote the Apostle John, If anyone has material possessions and sees his or her brother or unborn brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in him? John 1, 317, and I inserted the parentheses to refer to the unborn. Um, and and I have a link to the my article, Barack Obama, High Priest of Molech and Darwin. And I have the documentation to prove that this is how many abortions, but I guess I shouldn't have been surprised, Susan, uh, that there's at least been a billion. Yeah. Isn't that staggering? Yeah, that's staggering. That's basically about the population of India. Or I can't remember, but it's India's right up there. Uh, yeah. Entirely vaporized. Uh, well, it has it has a lot to do with uh, the whole Antichrist system, and uh, it, it's a matter for the church really to uh, get the word out and uh, to change people's hearts. Because once you have a heart change and become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and give your life to Jesus, then uh, you wouldn't be doing these things. Uh, you would see when when God takes the blinders off, then you see. But um, the Bible says in First uh, John two eighteen, little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. First John 2:22 Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ he is the antichrist that denieth the father and the son and uh, James last week when we were talking and I, I thought one of the things that you mentioned that was so interesting was that during World War II during uh, the Holocaust that uh, actually Hitler was in cahoots with a Muslim leader to uh, help exterminate the Jews. Would you go into that a little bit? That is absolutely correct. The the Muslim leader is the was the uh, Hey everybody, uh, this is Phil Armstrong. I like to apologize um, for that. I have played three shows in one, so for the stuff. The times I was uh, um, of the show was on, I played actually played three shows. So I apologize for the last one. So what I'm do is I'm gonna play. A, I'm gonna play. Uh, I'm gonna do a show every day, almost until maybe Saturday. But it's gonna be some old shows. There's gonna be some shows that I pick off the internet plus 30 minutes of mine. A lot of my shows gonna be pre-recorded. Now there's gonna be once a week. There's gonna be one live one. Um, I'm trying to get the message out, so I've been sitting down, sitting around long enough, uh, trying to get the word out, even if it's an old show, maybe even be some of you guys. Um, I have some brothers uh, um, online, uh, on Blog Talk, Mike Parker and all those guys, they have some wonderful shows, so I'm probably going to end up replaying theirs on mine, just to get, get some people to listen. Uh, uh because it's very important that we get the word out. But God bless y'all. I'm away from the computer, so 
Swally Rock gonna be a theme song, but God bless y'all. Have a wonderful night.